Hi friends, welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. Welcome. We have a wonderfully supportive and encouraging Patreon community. Sarah, Lauren, Dave, Steve, Mark, Sheila, and Tom, I thank the world of you all, and I thank our God every time I remember you. If you are a listener who hasn't yet joined our Patreon community, now is a great time. Your support keeps this good work going, so thank you. Links are in the show notes. I'm your host, Jen Hale Christie, and this is Season 5. It's an interesting time to be alive. Um, 2020 has so far been filled with tragedy and horror, with pandemic and apocalypse, um, and also with great creativity and and gratitude um, and recognition of, of what we have. In this season, we bear witness to the stories of scripture interpreted in light of the unveiling that is happening all around us. May God grant us a spirit of kindness and humility with ears to listen and energy for the difficult work before us. Today, we're picking up where we left off last week. We've been dwelling in the psalm that's numbered 46. We've been wrestling with what faith looks like in the midst of chaos and loss. And last week, we considered what it might look like to be still and know that God is God and we are not. Today, we're focusing on the second half of the psalm with the war god who destroys weapons and ends all wars. Here's that psalm again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in our distresses. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make joyful the city of God, the holy tabernacle of the Most High. God is in her midst. She will not be shaken. God will help her before morning breaks. Nations rage. Kingdoms shake. He utters his voice. The earth melts. Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of Yahweh. What horrors he has set on the earth. He causes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts off the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted among the earth. Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The word of the Lord. There's this weird part where the psalmist urges us to come Behold the works of the Lord. See what horrors or devastations or desolations God has brought on the earth. Kind of weird, right? Maybe shocking or confusing? For those of us who don't believe that God causes bad things to happen, we have to dig a little deeper and really trust God's Spirit to reveal what this is about. In what ways is God bringing horrors on the earth? The psalmist depicts Yahweh as the ultimate war god. Now, you might know this, but for those of you who don't, the word hosts means armies. And I think in American culture, when we hear the word host, we picture someone hosting a dinner party or a host at a restaurant back when we used to go to those. 
So the term Lord of hosts doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but if we instead use the word armies, we get a clearer picture of what image um, this name for God is trying to convey. So when Israel called on God as Lord of hosts or Yahweh of hosts, it was using battle language. Israel was calling on their war God, sort of like calling God a divine general. But when you call on Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of armies, you can expect for the ground to be shaking and seas to be raging. What you might not expect is that it will be the ground beneath your feet that shakes the waters under your boat that rage and threaten to consume because Yahweh of hosts destroys the weapons and that can be horrifying. We give lip service to the Lord of hosts being with us and being our refuge, but we are taking up arms and fighting for power. We're not all in the military. We don't all own guns. Most of us don't have the bows and spears mentioned in this psalm. But we have geared up with some unique weapons to secure the safety and comfort of life as we know it, and to wield power over others. We've learned that to navigate this world, there are two things that we must have, and they are intimately connected, money and power. Neither money nor power is inherently bad or evil, but they have certainly been used in destructive ways. And we have weaponized money and power against others. We pursue them at times ruthlessly and by stepping on others. For hundreds of years in America, our leaders have devised and refined and perfected an intricate web of systems to ensure that the vast majority of money and power remain in the hands of white people. From voter registration rules, to redlining, to separate but equal, to inadequate access to services and education, to denial of loans and housing, to lynching and bombing and violently responding to nonviolent demonstrations. The whole thing is rigged in favor of the white. And I have benefited from it my entire life. And I have believed that I got to where I am today through hard work and divine guidance and maybe a little luck. But the truth is, I have had disproportionate access to money and power. I have had access to money and power that not everyone in this country has. And sometimes it still doesn't feel like enough. Yahweh of hosts destroys the weapons of power and domination. God is not coming in to wipe out all of our enemies. The psalmist says God is coming in to destroy our weapons. God destroys those things that we use to wield power over others. Could it be, I mean, just imagine with me for a moment, could it be that Yahweh of hosts has shown up to destroy the weapons of white supremacy? Could it be that God has heard the cries of the oppressed and helped to elevate their voices that they together might usher in the dismantling of these evil oppressive systems? Could it be that God has seen enough, heard enough, and is now moving, is now moving in quite mysterious but quite direct and observable ways to release those in our country who have been suffering under the burden of white supremacy for more than 400 years? Could that be possible? We have a pile of weapons of mass destruction that are built into every corner of our economy, and they target non-white people. 
Could it be that God is now targeting these, is destroying these weapons, breaking these bows, and shattering these spears? The great war god ends all wars, but it's not pretty. It's not quite what we expected. You know, we might have thought that God was going to come in and wipe out all of our enemies, but that is not what God is up to. When we think about God destroying weapons and ending wars, our imaginations might conjure images from Isaiah 11, where the lion lies down with the lamb and the carnivores stop devouring each other. We might envision peaceful coexistence, the kind of true shalom that only God provides. We might imagine a world where nations do not rise up against nations and where one person does not seek to dominate another. We might envision a world in which the striving for power has ceased. And here's how we get to participate in this. When we deny ourselves and give up privilege for the sake of others, we are partnering with God to end wars and destroy weapons. And there are a lot of privileges that we could talk about, but the one that's front and center on a lot of our minds, and certainly mine, is white privilege. For those of us who are white, we need to recognize the ways in which our whiteness has privileged us, the ways in which we have benefited from white supremacy. And then we need to figure out how and when and where we might start to give up that privilege, because that's such a gospel call, isn't it? In the Christ hymn recorded in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, we hear about Jesus denying himself and giving up his privilege. As a Jewish male, Jesus could have had a comfy life of privilege. He was the very embodiment of God on earth, and in a sense, he had more inborn privilege than anyone ever has. But he didn't use it selfishly or exploit it. He gave it away and he gave it up. He used his male privilege to elevate women and children and others who had been pushed to the margins. He used his religious privilege to challenge unjust systems and to advocate for the inclusion of people. For those of us who are white, as we think about the ways in which our whiteness privileges us, how might we give it away in service of others like Jesus did? Are there others around us who need to be elevated? Are there unjust systems? Yes, absolutely there are, but are there some that we are uniquely positioned to challenge? And let's not leave Jesus just yet. Um, I'm wondering, how might the world around us look different if we really try to see our fellow humans through the eyes of Jesus, through eyes that do not see the myth of race? Eyes that celebrate the purposeful diversity of humanity. Indeed, eyes that delight in the beautiful spectrum of gender and skin color and sexuality and body shape and size. The eyes of Christ see us all as beloved children of God who are valuable and gifted and created on purpose, created the way we are on purpose. It's pretty clear from the stories in the Gospels that Jesus was not a big fan of the rich, the powerful, or the prominent. Again, although he was the actual physical manifestation of God on earth, and therefore a pretty important guy, um, he didn't just hang out with the beautiful, smart people. 
He actually preferred to spend his time with the ones that society had already dismissed, the ones who weren't, quote, worthy or pure or good enough in the eyes of the religious elite, the ones who were regarded as less than or second class. Jesus spent time with people in all of these different circles, and he preached a consistent message about God's love and the abundant life that's available to us in the here and now. He didn't even talk that much about a future post-death heaven. He talked more about what life could look like in the here and now, and how we could partner with him to usher in this new Jerusalem that we hear about in the psalm. He came to give us hope for what our world could be. Jesus was offered numerous opportunities to seize power, but he turned them down. Because life in the New Jerusalem, life in God's community, is about giving up power and control and privilege. If there's anyone who ever walked the earth who deserves power, it's Jesus. But he showed us by his example that we shouldn't concern ourselves with trying to get power. And in fact, whatever power we have should be used for good or, for, or given to others. And the message that Jesus had for the rich was essentially the same. Use your wealth for good or give it away. So money, power, privilege, all things that we should use for good or give away. Because when we misuse or abuse them, they become weapons. And we get to participate in the coming of the new Jerusalem, God's beautiful community, by laying down these weapons. By saying, yes, God, we want you to put an end to our wars and destroy our weapons. We don't need them anymore because we have you and we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. And this is especially hard to do when the earth is trembling, when everything feels so uncertain or we're not sure how the bills are going to get paid. When our country is so polarized and we need to deal with the root of the problem, but God help us, we are so exhausted and we don't even know where to start. When the diagnosis is bleak and we don't know when or if we'll get to hug our friends and loved ones again. But in all of this uncertainty, in all of this pain and, and loss, um, this is exactly the moment when we need to lay it all down. When we need to recognize that we can't fix the problems of the world through weapons or wars, or even by having enough privilege, money, or power. Only the God of peace can bring what we need. If we are going to live lives that proclaim that God is God and is the only one who is exalted, we're going to have to put down our weapons. The ways in which we are abusing our power and oppressing God's creation. The ways in which our privilege benefits us and harms others. The ways in which we fight for what we want instead of having faith in God. And faith in God to provide what is needed. Not faith that God will grant our every wish, but faith that God is love. Faith that God created us and loves us and promises to always be with us. Faith that God sees what we cannot. Faith that God is working to restore all of creation and that we too can be part of that. Be still and know that God is God. 
And may we actively seek ways to give up our power, wealth, and privilege for the sake of others. May it be so. If today you find yourself on the outside, without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash jenhalechristie. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at jenhalechristie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.